This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. The BFM Breakfast Grill, connecting you to top people and ideas. Powered by U-Mobile, Malaysia's number one 5G network. BFM 89.9, it's time for The Breakfast Grill. I'm Keith Kam. Today, February 20th, is designated Social Justice Equality Day by the United Nations. It is an international day recognising the need to promote social justice, which includes efforts to tackle issues like poverty, exclusion, gender inequality, unemployment, human rights and social protections. Very, very lofty ambitions indeed. And especially for this day, we have in the studio Dr. Michael Jayakuma Devaraj, Chairman of Party Socialist Malaysia. Welcome to BFM, Dr. Kumar. Thank you for inviting me. Dr. Kumar, let's uh, maybe start with defining what social justice means to you. Okay, social justice is the right to have a, a decent life mm-hmm. and, and safety uh, and, and respect. It means all those things. I was just wondering as well, I mean, um, this day has been designated as Social Justice Equality Day since 2007 by the UN. I I was wondering, you know, if you could tell me in the past 17 years or so, how has this world progressed in terms of uh, building uh, a fairer and more equitable society or or have we regressed? What are your observations? I think you're not doing very well, you know. If you look at what's happening now in Gaza, Mm. You know, I mean, that's real injustice. And we all seem quite paralyzed. Actually, the way to stop it is to stop the funding, the military funding for Israel that is getting from the US and the UK. If they stop that, then Israel will be forced to negotiate. But as long as the uh, Western powers give an open check in terms of munitions and weapons, then Israel can pursue its policy. And and we seem to be so... um, you know, paralyzed, you know. I mean, what, I mean, the rest of the world can't do very much as long as, you know, the US and UK and Europe keep supporting them. So I think if you're talking of justice, injustice, I think the biggest injustice occurring today is what's happening in Gaza. So Dr. Kumar, it's kind of ironic, I reckon, the fact that uh, it's Social Justice Equality Day and it was something that was declared by the United Nations, but they are kind of subservient to the United States. Don't you see it? Yeah, I see that's the problem. So, and, and the thing is, the US, US itself mm. is subservient to its arms industry. You know, I mean, they are, they're so powerful, they're so big, they got uh, branches everywhere. They really influence US foreign policy. And, and what Eisenhower said in 1960, you know, watch out for the arms industry, he said that in his last speech to the nation, has come true. I mean, they really have got US foreign policy in their hands. So that's why they're pushing war, arms sales, all over the place, you know. So it's a big problem. So, so what's the point of the United Nations then? Should there be some uh, changes to be made and what do you reckon that those should be? Oh, people have talked about the UN and the need to change the Security Council. Like now the five big powers have got the veto. veto. You know, things like that has got to be, you've got to democratise the UN. But I think we've got to strengthen the UN. You know, that's, that's the only thing that we have. You can't say walk away from the UN. Mm-hmm. UN, UN has got to be strengthened. Strengthened meaning? democratized. Mm. The Security Council has got to be changed. You've got to take away the veto power of all these five countries. Uh, things like that. Yeah. If we zoom into to Malaysia, what is your assessment thus far of the uh, Anwar Ibrahim administration, the Madani government's efforts to, to furthering social justice for, for Malaysians, uh, you know, uh, for migrants documented and undocumented for Malaysians as well? 
not very good, you know. I mean, frankly, I'm a bit disappointed with them because with this government, the first thing that we brought up to them was the CPTPP, mm. which was on the verge of being ratified when this government took over. And uh, we, meaning PSM, together with MTEM and Third World Network, a few a number of NGOs were trying to talk to Anwar and say, uh, please uh, postpone it, postpone the ratification because you've just come in, review the whole thing. And, but they went ahead and ratified it, you know, allowed the ratification to take place. So to us, that was a very major thing because basically these trade agreements give too much power to multinationals how they come in, uh, the restrictions to the investment, no restrictions to investments, they can take their capital out when they want, you know, gives too much power to them to the extent that local sovereignty is affected, you know, and, 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 the, and the extraction of surplus from countries like us keeps taking place. But there is something to be said about uh, foreign investments coming into the country because it. I mean, like it or not, it's still something needed uh, to, to help further the, the country's e economy. Is there no middle ground? Uh, should there be a lot more carve-outs in, say, the CPTPP um, amongst other uh, free trade agreements? No, right now, no doubt about it. We need foreign investments yeah. because with foreign investments, then we have jobs. Then, there are, then we have foreign exchange as well, you know. So we, right now, we are stuck in this. But you must remember, a lot of these foreign investments are, based, are by these global giants, and they actually bully the Malaysian firms who become subcontractors. So, for example, if you are producing components for one of the major global giants, you go to sell it to them at maybe one-sixth the price, one-tenth the price, those components will cost in their home country. And if you say, hey, look, can you give me a little bit more? They'll say, okay, then I'll go to my, 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 my company, in, uh, my subcontractor in, in, in Vietnam or, or in Thailand. Mm. So they play us off. They play off the ASEAN countries so they can get these components at one-seventh, one-tenth the price that they're actually in their own country. So basically, they're getting work cheap out of us. And then our subcontractors here have to uh, pressure workers by giving them low wages. You can't give them higher wages because you're competing with your, with your, with your, with your, part, with your, com your competitor in, in Thailand or Vietnam. So basically, this, so because you're reliant on these big foreign global chains, they play us off one against the other. You're talking about transnational capital in this, in this yes. instance, right? Yes. Um, and, and it does seem like a, a very vicious uh, circle here. Uh, it's, I mean, I, I don't see any solution to this because um, at the end of the day, uh, at the end of the day, the economy being what it is, the economic pie is getting smaller and smaller. Uh, there is no other way but to compete with each other, even within the ASEAN region. You see, but look at see, look at what's happening in China, for example. You know, China has got its own domestic uh, integrated industrial system. So, though even if say China, if if if, if uh, US put sanctions, China can survive because it's not dependent. Mm. It's not an appendage of the US economy. Yeah, but but we are. Yeah, but we you are know? not. We are not the size of China. I mean, neither True. is Thailand or Vietnam. True, or... ASEAN, as a group, I think there's a need for the third world to think of. Can we get the economies of scale by cooperating? I mean, for example, look, look at vaccine production. Mm. The whole of ASEAN, we're still buying from all over the place. Mm. A small country like Cuba was able to produce three, I think, three different COVID vaccines. Why can't we work together and produce our own pharmaceuticals so we're not bound by these patent prices, you know, or that the Western pharmaceuticals, can't that be a project 
that ASEAN embarks on. So things like that, you know. I mean, iron and steel, for example. I mean, of course, Malaysian market isn't big enough. But the whole ASEAN market, so I think we've got to talk and say, look, we are being shafted by these fellows overseas. So if we keep on fighting and reducing our corporate tax, mm. our corporate tax has gone on from 40% in right. 1980s to about 24% now. It's a race to the bottom. And, and Thailand is 19%. So we say, look, hey guys, let's stop this nonsense. Let's try and see how can we start working. It can't be done tomorrow. But we need to have a, 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 a program, a plan, next 10 years. How do we uh, work together so that more of the surplus created by our people is kept within the country to meet, you know, poverty eradication goals, uh, greening goals, environmental goals. You've got to discuss that and see. I mean, yeah, economic scale matter and we can get that if we work together as ASEAN. Can, can we survive the next 10 years, uh, you know, just to wait for ASEAN to get their act together? But because, I mean, um, not all ASEAN countries uh, are, are equal. I mean, if we look at the report in Sina Harian today itself, uh, we are seeing a lot of Malaysians moving away to Singapore and Brunei because of the better job prospects, better currency. How do we find that middle ground, that sweet spot, that, that, that critical mass between um, these 10 member countries? No, I think it can't be done you know, immediately, but there needs to be a plan. I mean, obviously now we've got to keep on getting FDI because we need to create jobs. Right. So right now we need to do that. We can't you know, abruptly change but need to have a five-year plan, a 10-year plan to see how we can work better with ASEAN countries, you know. Honestly, right now, I don't see whether in the, in the PH or previously in the PN or even in the BN, there's no such conception that we are having this wasteful race to the bottom. Let's start talking about it. How, what's, what's the strategies to, to overcome that? That planning seems to be absent. You know, so that is what I think we need to start doing. You, you say, I mean, and I do agree with you, FDIs are important for the country. But with the increase in FDIs that are coming into the country, I don't see a, a, a correlated uh, increase in, in salaries, in wages of, of our people, which is why people are, are leaving the country. And, and it's not increasing as quickly as our inflation rate is. What is the solution here? See, Keith, if you look at it, uh, our, the last 50 years, our GDP mm. has grown about 24-fold in real terms, taking away inflation, 24-fold. But the median wage of factory workers has only grown 1.4. Right. You know, so which means the wealth we're generating is not going back to the people as wages. It's not going to the government as taxes either because they keep on cutting down our tax rates. So it's going, it's going overseas, it's going to the richest people in this country and, and overseas. So that is a problem. I mean, I'm, I don't think it can be changed overnight. But we need to recognize it as a problem and not pretend that we play along, get more, more FDI and it'll be all right. There is a, a, a sickness in the center of the system. You know, the, 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 the exploitation of the global south that began 400 years ago is continuing now. Mm. But the difference now is you don't not having gunboats, you're not having direct control. They've made us police ourselves. They made us sign all these free trade agreements where we agree to let foreign companies come in as they will. We need to give them national treatment. We need to allow them to sue our government in an international tribunal if they disagree with us. So we are selling our sovereignty. So they don't need to send gunboats. It, it, like it sounds a bit like neo-colonialism. It is. It is. In the last 50 years of our independence, we have signed away mm. 
And so now the richest 500 com- uh, companies in the world still can do what they want. Last time they had to use the British East India Company and the Dutch East India Company to come here. And they had to use their government's military. Now they don't need to. Now they use the free trade agreements and then they, and then they um, use that to control us. On the breakfast grill this morning is the chairman of Party Socialist Malaysia or PSM, Dr. Michael Jayakuma Devaraj. It's time for some messages and on the other side, let's talk politics, BFM 89.9. You are listening to The Breakfast Grill. Brought to you by U-Mobile, Malaysia's number one 5G network. BFM 89.9, welcome back to The Breakfast Grill. And on this Social Justice Equality Day, we have in the studio Dr. Michael Jayakumar Devaraj, Chairman of Party Socialist Malaysia. Um, now, Dr. Kumar, let's talk about the political party of which you are, you are Chairman. PSM was successful in only two previous general elections, that's GE12 and GE13. And that's when Dr. Noor Hashim, the previous PSM president, won the Kota Damansara seats. I, I guess this could be seen as a testament to the long struggle for PSM to be registered because you only managed to do so just before GE12 in 2008. And even then, after a, a, a court battle, uh, there was no more success since GE14 in 2018. Do you see this as, I suppose, a rejection of sorts by the electorate? Yeah, I guess it is. I mean, to be honest, uh, both myself and Nasir won because we were part of the Pakatan Rakyat and the Pakatan Harapan. You know, and I think in Malaysia, people just look at those issues, the issues of NEP and issues of race, mm-hmm. you know, and they thought that uh, PH was going to bring a change into a more uh, fair system. Uh, the, the kind of politics that PSM is bringing, a kind of class-based politics, a politics that's based on uh, understanding there is imperialism, imperialism is alive, only thing is of different forms now. A neo-colonial state has been created. Though that kind of awareness, I think, hasn't yet spread among the people. Mm. You know? So when we go there, they just see us as a junior member, a clone of PH kind of thing. You know? They don't see us as bringing a different kind of politics. So until we are able to, to persuade people that we actually have a different analysis, a different vision, a different way forward, and that is good for them and their children, until we can get that idea across, then if we stand alone, we're not going to do very well, you know? So that's where we are right now. I, I, I kind of do, um, <clears throat> excuse me, your, a lot of your seven-point manifesto in, in, in PSM, um, it, it does, they do resonate uh, with, with a lot of us, I, I have to say. A lot of it is just common sense. I mean, how do you convince the public of, of your of your ideology and getting that that that, that buy in from them? Because um, has that racial religious rhetoric that you that you talked about just now has it been has it been hijacked so much in conversations that that we cannot uh, come back from it and and really address the realities of life? I think it'll be in stages. I mean, you know, it's really everyone now thinks very ethnically. The voting pattern is so clear. Yeah, you know. Um, I think right now it's about 90% of the Malays are voting for PN mm. and about 90% of the non-Malays uh, are voting for PH. That's how we were the last elections. So I think we are so racially divided. You know, it's, it's quite bad. It's quite bad. But I think it, it can be overcome. And it's not only the ideas, you see, we need to put forward the ideas. But what's the biggest challenge for PSM is that we need to get enough uh, people into a progressive coalition that we can actually put up enough candidates to say, look, we are an alternative. And we're very far from that. We're too small. That's why we're looking for, 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 for progressive uh, 
people to come in so we can actually give people an alternative. Because just give them an idea, but you're putting up only, say, 10 seats. Yeah. People say, what's the use? You know, you can never form the government. So if I vote for you, the other guy who I fear more is going to come in. So we are in that situation. We've got to grow the party that we are actually able to give an, a, a realistic alternative to people. Your, your own political career is also quite uh, diverse. I mean, you, I remember you running under the DAP banner at one time uh, and then with uh, PKR, that's when you uh, famously defeated the, the, the late Sami Velu in Sumai Siput. And then uh, finally, you're now with, with, uh, with, with PSM. What have you learned from all this? Um, for one thing, I think a lot of people aren't too happy with this party hopping, right? I mean, what have you learned from all this? Actually, I wasn't party hopping. I was PSM all along. Mm -hmm. But we just used the... Initially, I had to use the DAP banner and the PKR banner because... Experience? We, we, weren't, we weren't registered. Mm. We weren't registered till 2008 after the elections. So we had to do that. But even then, it was very clear. We're telling them we're not joining you. We are standing as PSM. So it never was party hopping. I was never a member of these parties. And, uh, well, what I found is in Parliament... You know, as a lone member, you can just say things and whether people listen to you or not, so you're not really aware, you know. I yeah. mean, you can say all these things and uh, it's like water off a duck's back, you know. I mean, if you want these kind of progressive policies to, to, to have an impact, you need to have more people in parliament saying these things. It's got to be a stronger block. And and on that note, though, you did say that um, you mentioned that you were too, you were way too small uh, in the last six state elections in July last year. You had formed some kind of political alliance with with Muda. Um, first of all, what's happened to that? Has that has that progressed any further? It's still under under it's work in progress, you know. Because PSM basically we know we are small, mm. and we know that in the longer run, ten years, fifteen years, we need to build a progressive coalition with more people. And we've got to stand in 30 seats, 40 seats, parliament seats. So we need to get uh, allies. Mm -hmm. So we've got to, we got to uh, see who we can work with. But basically, we need to work with people who will be non-racial, who won't, who won't use ethnicity to campaign. We need to work with people who recognize that though we need FDI now, we can't make that the cornerstone of our economic policy. We need to have an idea of having a more autonomous industrial development in this country. We have to talk to ASEAN countries to see how we can increase our minimum wage in all ASEAN countries together. Because one country does it too much, mm. you have a comparative disadvantage. We've got to talk in terms of pushing back our corporate taxes to a reasonable figure so that all, all ASEAN countries... So these kind of ideas, they've got to share those kinds of ideas before we can actually work together. We need to have some common... Uh, you know, points. They don't have to be Marxists or, you know, mm. socialists, you know, but they need to be progressive and they've got to understand that the colonial exploitation has continued right now in the, in the Muradeka period. They've got to have that overall worldview that, that we have. And it does sound like Muda is, a, is an ideal collaboration with, with you guys. Uh, what's, the, what's the stumbling block here? Well, I think everyone is busy, you know. Most people are working, you know. Once the election is over, the excitement goes, everyone goes back to their jobs. But we are having some small uh, sessions, like recently Muda had a retreat and some of our people went there to, to run sessions. So we're exploring things like that, you know, because mm. we want to build something which is more, more solid. What about collaborating with bigger parties? Um, I, 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 I'm, I'm not sure if you've burnt bridges with PKR, but is that something that you might uh, explore again? I mean, politics is just that fluid, right? 
yeah, politics is fluid, but uh, if a party is very big, then you don't have very much bargaining, you know. It's like you take it or leave it kind of thing, isn't it, you know? I, I want to get your assessment of the current Anwar Ibrahim administration after more than a year. What have you observed? I mean, uh, anti-corruption, the fight against corruption is, is, is very forefront of your manifesto as well. Has he done a good job? I think his hands are tied, you know, mm. because, you know, they didn't get a simple majority. So they are they're staying in power because of coalitions with other people who are famously, many of those people have, many parties have got corrupt members. Mm-hmm. So it's quite difficult for them to move against, say, for example, corruption in Sarawak in mm-hmm. terms of the land deals and all that. I mean, the Sarawak elite have made so much money from the logging and from the plantation companies. Uh, but I think Anwar's hands are tied. You know, if you go and attack your your your, your uh, coalition partners. So I think it's partly because the Malaysian public didn't give PH mm. a strong enough electoral you know, support. Uh, so his hands are tied. So I think that is a, a major problem. Uh, before I let you go, I, I kind of want to get the latest on the Perak State Development Corporation's lawsuit against you for, for defamation. It was related to last year's eviction of farmers in the Tambun constituency, which is ironically where our Prime Minister is is the MP. Uh, they claimed that your statement had implied that PSDC had contravened an interim court order. What's the latest that you can share with us on this? Well, they, they, they are suing me for defamation. Right. Because uh, I said that they, they'd gone against a stay, but it is actually fact. They went against a stay, but they interpret the stay in a different way, in a very regressive way. So you're going to contest them in court about that, that the interpretation of the, the stay or what it meant was wrong. Because basically they're saying that the order 425 four order from the land office, uh, we managed to stay that. But they say that they, they came and broke, they came and demolished the farms after that stage, saying that they demolished the farm not based on the four to five, but on the intrinsic right as landowner, which means that now if anyone is a landowner, mm. he can evict whoever's on their land without going to court because it's intrinsic right. But, but I they, think that's very, it's very, very regressive. But they insist that they had been given another piece of land to, to work on, right? Oh, that's a different issue, is it? The, the, the farmers were offered another site, but it's hilly. Mm. So we actually wrote back, the farmers wrote back saying, look, this is not a good site. There's not enough water. We can't, we can't grow vegetables here. And asked for negotiations. None were held. Also, this kind of begs the question, why are you involved in it? What, what happened to their MP? Well, I've been involved with them since I was an MP in Sungai Siput. We are just neighbours. Mm. So since that time, I've been writing letters for them, discussing, having meetings with them. So they've been coming to me because of that since then. They've also gone to Anwar's office, they've gone to the Adun's office. But, you know, we are the ones who actually are prepared to take a more uh, firm stand on these kind of issues because food security is so important. You know, and, and we think the state government has made a mistake in uh, alienating all these food producing lands in Perak. Dr. Kumar, thank you very much for sharing your thoughts this morning. Thank you for inviting me. On the Breakfast Grill this morning is uh, Social Justice Equality Day and we were talking to Dr. Michael Jayakumar Devaraj, the Chairman of Party Socialist Malaysia. I'm Keith Kam for BFM 89.9, The Business Station. The BFM Breakfast Grill, brought to you by U-Mobile, Malaysia's number one 5G network. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.